Hello, everyone. I am beyond thrilled uh, to have on Christina Mond Lachiani, and she is the co-founder of Mind Valley. And just for a little bit about her, she is a serial entrepreneur, speaker, mother, everyday philosopher, and a woman on her own journey of spiritual growth. And like I said, she's the co-founder of Mind Valley, a global school that delivers transformational education for all ages. And I am so excited to have her on because I was talking to her earlier. Mind Valley has just been such a wonderful part of my life and my own spirituality and just connecting with myself and loving myself and being authentic. And this is also why I'm excited because she has a book that's going to come out soon called Becoming Flossom, which I absolutely love the title. And it is about being authentic and being yourself. And it really talks about her journey of getting to that point of being flossom. And we will dig into that much later, but I'm really excited to dig into her story. And I think it's going to be really powerful, but thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Andrew, for being flexible, despite all the inconsistencies in our planning. So it's I really all good. It. <laughs> of course. And so I really love to really start in the beginning of people's stories. Tell me what your life was like growing up and the environment that, oh, I know it's a big question. It's a big question. But what was your life like growing up and how did that influence who you are today? Yes, it's not like a widely known fact. So I have to explain mm -hmm. why it's so special. I was born in Soviet Union and I grew mm -hmm. up in Soviet Union and I was a teenager when it collapsed. And mm -hmm. Soviet Union was a very restrictive environment. But in addition to that, it was also very unfamiliar for the world outside the Soviet Union. I believe that the closest analogy nowadays would be trying to imagine how it is to live in North Korea. We hear things about it, but we don't really know what it is in, inside there. But contrary to everybody's mm -hmm. fears, it was still alive. We were still humans mm -hmm. with our joys, with our hopes. And maybe because it was the later part of the Soviet Union. And most of the time when I was a child, we had Gorbachev as the president, who was actually a very liberal leader. Mm. It was, was normal, like for everyone else. There were strange things logistically speaking <laughs> you yes. couldn't buy a car so i'm used to public transport and we lived in small mm -hmm. environments but other than that it was similar to anywhere in the world as in we had families we had friends we had schools that were dreams different opportunities for sure we couldn't travel you couldn't have all that much choice about your future as in it was to a degree prescribed to you and there were limitations, but still humans are humans. They're adaptable. I think that's probably the mm -hmm. main message. Yes. And like emotionally, and like, how did that affect you growing up in that real that environment? And how did you really get through that? I don't think I ever, I ever paused to question where mm -hmm. I was growing up about mm -hmm. how Soviet Union lasted. It's like this saying that the fish is not aware that the fish lives in the water. I remember one, one episode in my childhood where my aunt was showing me a picture of our relatives who had escaped to Sweden when the Soviet Union came to Estonia. Estonia joined Soviet Union much later and it was annexed to Soviet Union in 1945 as a result of the World War II. And it's like a longer story. I don't want to go into history a lot of relatives who had escaped and who who we couldn't 
stay in touch anymore. I remember my aunt showing me a picture of our relatives in Sweden and saying, unfortunately, I can't come here to see you. And we were in my ancestral home. So to me, it seemed like they were the ones who were in the cage. And I remember as a child thinking, poor people, they can't come here. How miserable it must be without realizing that I'm the one who is in the cage. Exactly mm. like I said, when you're in the water, you don't always realize that you are in this environment. So to me, the whole world seemed alien and strange. And what was my reality seemed like the right thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. I know exactly what you mean because for listeners, we talk a lot about growing up in high control environments or in cults. And when you're in that environment, it's your whole world and it's all you know. And so you yeah. don't question it. It's like you said, like the fish and water type thing. And it's, yes, most definitely. And so when you got out of that environment, what things do you realize about it? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the right sequence of events. I started understanding the mm -hmm. reality of what was happening after it stopped happening. Mm -hmm. But most of the people who I believe are listening to your podcast were them escaping their cage depends mm -hmm. on their actions or they need to be rebellious soviet union collapsed so i didn't mm. escape soviet union although my mom I, as long as i remember myself she was trying to convince my dad to go and live abroad which as a as a child the only reasoning for me was like oh they have more money there <laughs> they, not even money it was like it was the times when we started seeing that the world outside is actually not so horrible but the mm. soviet union collapsed the whole system collapsed. So yeah. the revolution, when the when we had this change of regime, a lot of people spontaneously went out to protest and then they went mm. out on the streets. So I didn't have to rebel against my mm. society. The whole society was ready. Uh, mm. I wonder, and I will never know the answer, if I would have had the strength to escape a society which wasn't failing, which was mm. strong. Like a lot of, I know that a lot of religious societies are super strong and there's no sign of mm. them ever failing. So I, I guess it is much harder to escape out of that kind of environment or not even religion, any kind of group, mm. uh, whether it's a cult or even sometimes our cultural groups, like mm. in the old days they had punks and whatnot. These, all those yeah. groups, they do have very strong culture and the sense of belonging and escape is not always easy and mm. it's not always obvious i'm not saying anything against puns by the way i got <laughs> I'm sorry, you i'm sorry if it sounds like that but i know it's okay no, no problem with, with people identifying with certain i'm a geek i like Lord of Rings. <laughs> oh, oh, I, guess, I love that <laughs> i guess that's also a little bit of a cage occasionally the thing is that the whole system failed so yeah. i didn't have to do that would I have had uh, the courage to escape the castle which stands strong? I do not know. But what mm. happened is that I am a rebel. Yes, that, mm. that stayed with me. But yes, as, relevant. In, in part, a lot of people around me became rebels at the same time. Mm. So I learned it still. I see. And tell me your journey of your growth as a person as you left the Soviet Union and like leading up to how did that lead into you becoming a co-founder of Mind Valley. <laughs> I usually say that I'm in personal growth reluctantly and accidentally, not <laughs> any more reluctantly, but still accidentally, because part of the specifics of Soviet Union was, in addition to a lot of things, it was a parallel universe, to be honest, mm. but it was also a very pragmatic atheist society. 
Mm. Religion was discouraged. Estonia didn't experience it as much because we were annexed much later. But in the very mm -hmm. beginning, in the early years of Soviet Union, it was very strongly anti-religious. And partially because of that uh, movement, it stayed very pragmatic and very science-driven, mm. although even that is, is not so black and white. I still remember the my, my physics teacher telling me, not me, the whole class, he said, whatever is not explained by science doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that I believe in that right mm. now. I believe there yeah. are areas in life that science is still not ready to explain. Yeah. That I'm not going to believe them. But when there are theories or assumptions and they're not explained by science, for me, it is always, it is always a side note, which means mm. stay open. Yeah, you can believe in it if it helps you, if it supports you, if it empowers you, but stay open, mm. realize that we don't understand everything about this sphere. Mm. But when I first when I got married with vision, so how I ended up into in Mind Valley is because I married vision, it was about 20 years ago. And that mm -hmm. was the time I started the company. And I was helping him. That's mm. why I ended up in personal growth. But when I got there, I was still in the framework that everything has to be explained by science. If it is not, mm. it's strange and not, and that's to say the least, it's actually probably suspicious. And another mm. interesting aspect about Soviet Union was that we didn't have the idea of personal growth and transformation as such. It wasn't part of our reality. And for me, the thought that somebody will come and teach me how to live was outrageous. What do you mean? Am I not supposed to know how to live? I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm supposed to know how to love. I'm supposed <laughs> to know how to raise children. Of course, I've reevaluated these ideas. But in a way, I feel like I was thrown into water without preparation. Mm. So I had to reevaluate uh, it as I went along. Yeah. I see. And so could you dig into that a little bit as you were thrown into the water? What were things that you had to reassess, question or relearn from that? Oh, everything. When <laughs> when we just got married and I moved because I lived in Estonia and after we got married, I moved to New York. That's where Vision lived at that time. And the first weekend, he said, I have a seminar I have to go to. I said, are you sure? Mm -hmm. said, yeah, I'm conducting the seminar. There's no way I can't cancel it. And I thought it's our first weekend as a husband and wife. It's horrible that he's leaving me. So oh, I said, no. he said, just come for the event and attend it. So I come to event and I had no no background. And it's it's a silver method into event. It's silver method, mm -hmm. actually methodology that teaches you meditation and like its end goal is is intuition and clairvoyance. So I come to this event and as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, God, he didn't tell me that he was doing things like that. He should have done that before I got married. Oh, <laughs> now I'm kind my. of stuck. <laughs> so, and it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. I was rebelling. I was like, you can't say this is so just because you want to believe in that. Like, where's the science? That's not science. That's ridiculous. That doesn't look like believable research. And then we had to do this exercise on, I think it's called like telekinesis, where they give you an object that you don't know, and you have to go into meditation and and say whatever you can see and of course I failed because I just I couldn't even take it seriously I was like guys what are you doing yeah. and then the next day Vishen just said Vishen, Vishen just said I'm going to do an exercise with you because I trusted him he despite it being odd I still, mm. still trusted him so we did an exercise similar to that but I had to give information on the person I've never known and the hit was so precise and so mm. No, the person had arthritis and her left hand was in a permanent grip, mm. exactly what I said. It was inexplicable that I just thought, you know what, I don't know what's happening, but let me just, let me, that's part of my life now. 
So let me see how I can deal with that best that I can. But now 20 years mm -hmm. later, I still say that I'm a rebel. And a lot of things in my industry, I either make fun of or disagree or have my own approach. But with that said, I have patience with a lot uh -huh. of things I either don't understand or I disagree. Mm -hmm. Yes, I see. So it's interesting to me how you didn't know about this part of vision. So tell me about how y'all met and how that all worked out to y'all getting married. We met as students. We were part of the same student organization called ISA. Mm -hmm. We met at events all over the world and the organization mm -hmm. was about business and leadership for the young people. So that's why the context that I met Vishen in was very different. He did. Mm -hmm. He started this business on the side. He was actually like a typical Indian kid more traditional in terms mm -hmm. of choice of career his education is in programming so when I moved to New York he was st he still had a job in mm -hmm. the corporate world and he did meditation training on the side but despite me being skeptical about, about a lot of things although I do love the silver method the thing that that keeps oh yes my and I've actually mm -hmm. learned to be an instructor and I know that there are some areas which are hard to explain I'm at peace with those things and I think it's a great method, but it was on the side. When I moved to New York, we both were still trying to discover what is it going to be about our lives and our careers. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to make my own career, but it was, I don't want to go into the, that mm -hmm. area. I started mm -hmm. in the government. It was very different path, but I started helping Vision with his business. And then we decided to move to Malaysia and we started going deeper and deeper into mm -hmm. business. And from being a side business, it became the main thing. And eventually all the other things just fell off. So that's how it evolved. It wasn't a dramatic journey. It was an evolution. Mm -hmm. I love the evolutionary journey. And so I'm curious about you. What are your beliefs about spirituality now? It's a very interesting question. I don't normally talk about that publicly because I'm still searching. I, oh, I get still, that. I'm still definitely decidedly. I think that we need more science and research in that sphere. And I know there's a lot, but a lot of that is contradictory. And I think it's necessary not for the people who are already in our industry because they are believers before they need to see anything, any proof. Mm -hmm. But if we want it to become truly mainstream, not mainstream mm -hmm. among a certain niche we have to start speaking this, the language of, of people on the streets which we do not do we have our terminology our lingo and very often we alienate the people the ordinary mm. because of that blind faith so mm. well as i said if a certain thing has not been proven but it serves me Go along with that i will follow it i will let it i will let it color my world I will always remember there was, will always be a side note that this may be wrong, but then mm -hmm. everything may be wrong. Science has been, there have been researches which have been disproved like a year later, half a year later. Yeah. Uh, it's, science is not black and white. There's a, whichever area in science you take, there is a lot of contradiction as well and arguments. Yeah. It's just, it's more evidence-based, which I know that spiritual world is harder to make evidence-based. So I'm at peace with that side. The area that I'm searching is I'm still trying to understand the nature of human soul and the the, the finality of our life. And that, that is something that I'm just trying to be patient with myself. But now that I'm, I've crossed the 40s, I see people that I love aging and losing strength. And I see mm. how time goes in one direction. And I'm not 100% sure that I want to buy blindly the idea that there's infinite life afterwards i do not know what if mm. there isn't 
can we find meaning in what we're doing here without giving you know how it is when you play a computer game you are sometimes you're sometimes too easy on your on on or let's say too careless because you know that you have five lives but what if you don't wouldn't would mm. you do it differently so Elf. because i haven't come to mm. a conclusion what i want to believe that there's mm. something after what we know but i know that i'm still on the journey to to that i i believe that the moment when i arrive i'll be ready to die and go on <laughs> yeah i love how you're saying you're still on that journey because I left the high control group I was in a year ago and people asked me, oh, what do you believe? What's your spirituality or do you have any? Or I'm like, and then that's interesting because that's also the one thing that I don't talk about <laughs> ever <laughs> because I, like you were saying, like you're evolving, you're still growing and there's a lot of things that you're not sure about. And really what you were talking about, it makes me think of the Carl Sagan quote, which goes, I don't want to believe, I want to know. And that's a quote I've taken on in my life. I have my own, I'm on my own spiritual exploration, I guess you would say, and understanding psychology and the power of the mind and how that influences our reality and how we experience things. And, but for me, it's like, I, what I saw a lot and kind of what you're talking about too. I loved how you're talking about what would you do if you knew you only had one life? And it's interesting because I grew up in an environment where they focus so much on, oh, we have to. So I grew up in a Christian cult. So they believe that you're going to go to heaven. And when you die, if you follow this certain formula or prayer from the Bible. And so there was so much focus on, oh, we have to we have treasures in heaven. We have to do all these things and focus on, oh, like we have to be ready to die and go before our God and he will be happy and proud of us. And really what I saw a lot was people not being able to enjoy the present moment, the life that we're living now. And that's really what I want to start doing with my life is I really, because, you know, I, this is the only life like you were saying, this is the only life we know that we're going to have. None of us can know if there's an afterlife. Mm. And and that's scary to us. And that's why a lot of these religions have popped up to try to placate us and to try to calm us down and to give us security about what is going to happen. And it could be nothing <laughs> or our energy is moved somewhere else. So we're not aware of that outside of without our mind or our brains. But yeah, none of us really, we don't know. And a lot of people like to say, are these cults or high control groups like to say that they do know and that they do have the answer and that we need to follow them or we're in grave danger. Brene Brown talks about that. I think it's her in one of her books. She says, we, we create structures to, I, I'm of course paraphrasing, we create structures mm -hmm. to handle uncertainty because mm. uncertainty is so scary. So yes. we create structures to handle uncertainty so that uncertainty is, mm. is not so scary. It's, it's a, you, often a political structures, religious structures or, or cults, but they actually create more problems than they actually solve the, solve the mm. situation. Of course, I'm paraphrasing her. She talks about that beautifully. And I agree with that. It's, I, I would paraphrase what you said, because the quote that you just brought, I heard it twice. The first, uh -huh. my first thought was like, I would like to believe. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I feel I'm lacking, the blind uh-huh. faith in that yeah. everything be good. But then I heard it again because I realized that rather than just believing, I, I'd like to be certain in what I believe. Mm. Yes. And that we, I don't think we will be though. And mm. I do believe that we are not, we don't disappear, but that the way we don't disappear may be very different from the way we perceive world like this. Mm. Of course, our material is not going to completely disappear. It's, yes. There's constant circulation, but, and even the soul, how much do we know about soul anyway? Yeah, I know that that is so fascinating to me and it's something I've been reading more and more about and again it's a lot of theory and and no proof of these things but it's yeah it it is fascinating because and I think what happens when people grow up in these high control religious environments and then they jump to atheism and it scares them that there's a possibility that there's something immaterial or something spiritual because what if the cults or the religion they grew up in is true and then because in in christianity there's so much not all of them but the i'll just say fundamentalist christianity that's the brand of christianity that i was raised in but it has it's very fear-based and they tell you that you will burn in hell for eternity if you don't conform to their religion and their plan of salvation of getting saved from hell so there's so much fear so i think a lot of us who come out of that environment, we're so scared to even believe in a spiritual, because what if that is real? And I think for me, that's something that I'm working on in therapy <laughs> to get over that fear. Because like spirituality is something that is so fascinating to me and like mindfulness. And because I think in our modern society, we've just become so disconnected from ourselves. And from each other. And I think mindfulness and meditation and spirituality can really help us to live healthier and happier lives. And for you and your journey, I want to start digging a little bit into your upcoming book called Becoming Flossom, which again, I love that title, by the way. And I think it would interest my listeners because a lot of us, we are looking to live authentic lives and find a new approach to it and we're trying to build ourselves up grow as people and build our self-esteem so tell me about your journey of writing this book it's it's a journey of my whole life (laughs) in Mm. a way because I think I wrote it when I was ready to write it I of course Mm. having been in personal growth for 20 years Mm. it's a lot of the recommendations Mm -hmm. that I need to write a book because Mm -hmm. you need to write a book but I wrote it when I was ready so it's Mm. a naturally born child but I really feel that I have to say this I am a one of the people in the personal growth industry, one of the people who has co-founded a fairly big company in this. Mm, What I think, and I know your experience with religion was traumatic. I I come from Mm -hmm. Estonia. The predominant religion among the people in Estonia of the Christian brand was Lutheran religion, which is Mm. very liberal and very relaxed. Mm. uh, My dad, my dad's family, they wouldn't baptize their children until children grow up Mm. to decide that they want to follow their parents. Oh, that's so good. Mm. So it it was very different. And my mom, she's a follower of Russian Orthodox, not fanatical, but it's different. And then I married Mm. whose family 
it was Hindu. So for me, they were these religions, religious expressions were more the cultural expressions. Mm -hmm. And the, I think the problem with society is that we don't look at the essence of events because, or the essence of things because it's so much more complicated. It requires you to actually put a little mm -hmm. bit of effort. But in yeah. essence, religion is an attempt at spirituality, especially the older religions, an attempt at educational mm -hmm. institution. Because if we think of 100, 200 years ago, Yes. Not everybody had the right uh, or the opportunity to go to school. So church was trying to fill the gap. Mm. It has a very strong cultural context because yeah. the same religion is practiced differently in different cultures, an element of spirituality. And at the very birth of every religion, there mm -hmm. must be the, the truth. Yeah. In it. And mm -hmm. on top of that, there's a lot of dogma. Then if mm. you look at religion yes. this way, then Soviet Union in a way was also like religion, but a religion yeah. of atheism. If mm. you look at religion this way, you realize yeah. that the spiritual world or the world of personal growth and transformation and spirituality mm -hmm. and awakening also mm. is starting to get dogma around it. It mm. doesn't have the institution of a church. An institution yeah. makes things really hard to change. It doesn't uh -huh. have that institution, but it already yeah. has its own theories, its own bullshit and its own dogma. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you follow, I think what I want to say is that just stay true to yourself and don't mm. be afraid to question. One yes. thing is more for a mm -hmm. fact, and I don't need any proof. There is no punishment mm. at the end of your life. You're mm. living your human experience and you might be a horrible person and you might do horrible things. But when you transition, no matter who meets you there, and I truly believe in that, there will be no punishment. Punishment is a construct that we have come up as a society. Because we need to know that, oh, that bad person is going to get what they got, but if you, what they deserve, but the thing is that people, maybe I'm naive, I believe that people are good in their essence. Mm -hmm. We hurt other people because we get hurt. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. often when a person is horrible, that's their own punishment, even if it's mm. so hard to accept that. So oh, I wow. do not believe in punishment after death. I believe that punishment happens through your life. If you are a Darth mm. Vader, a real-life Darth Vader, trust me, you suffer. Yeah. Mm. You suffer here. That's the burning hell. Yes, and that's the thing that's been interesting to me, to really deconstruct the idea of hell and punishment. And people have different perspectives on it. Some people think, like kind of what you're describing, it's a state of mind in the here and now that you experience because of your life and things that you've experienced. And just going back a little bit, it is interesting to me, and I agree with what you're saying, that whether it's a religious institution or not, whether it's atheism or um, being agnostic, it can become its own dogma and it's it going to take that approach. And like for me, before I left the cult that I grew up in, that was the thing that was the thing that worried me the most and why I really went to therapy was to heal religious trauma and also it's so common for you to take that mindset and take it to other philosophies or belief systems, just that dogmatic black and white, this is the only way taking it to another space. And that was something I didn't want to do. And I was like, I want to be open to different ideas and different things. And that's why I, I love creating this podcast too, because I meet so many different people and learn so many different things and ways of life. And that helps me deconstruct the belief system that I grew up in a lot because like 
you're taught one way and it's really nice to see different ways and like to get rid of that help get rid of that programming that you've been under and so I think what do you want readers to get from your book Becoming a Flossum when they're done reading it what do you want them to do how do you want them to feel I'd like people who read the book to come to peace with themselves the mm. way they are with that said I do not believe <laughs> I know it will sound horrible but I do not believe in teaching okay life changes don't come from people learning new ideas all the times they come from experiencing the world in a different way mm. and you to experience the world in a different way yes you do need the framework you need some new ideas some new openings but you also need the experience itself so if I tell you that happiness is in your own hands, it's a cool idea. But unless you feel it, mm. unless you live, and unless you have an episode in your life where you realize and you take that power in your own hands, it's just going to be an idea, which is abstract, which is which is theoretical. So mm. I, because I don't believe in teaching in that in that sense. Mm -hmm. My book is is built as like you go out you go out on a journey and I'm trying to walk with you on that mm. journey but it is your journey and I'm trying to hold your hand when you need it but in essence it is a journey of every person who reads it where are they going to end up I have no idea it depends on how people read it but what I hope is that I re I hope that people who read my book realize that their beauty and their value mm. for the world lies yeah. in the things that maybe they're ashamed of right now. Wow, I absolutely love, love that approach to it. And I always love meeting individuals who are like, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. And that's okay. But let's go on this journey together through life. And let me help you through it. And so would you say to a person who grew up in a toxic religious environment and has struggled so much with spirituality because of the trauma from that environment and has struggles with that idea of connecting with themselves. And there are maybe some people too that just completely, maybe maybe like consciously, they want nothing to do with religion but or spirituality, but unconsciously they know there might be something they might want to explore. What would you say to people who are struggling with that conflict? I have to be clear that I do not have experience talking to, to, to people who have grown up in very strict religious environments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have lived in Asia for 16 years in Malaysia, yeah. which is a very mm -hmm. strict yeah. society. Mm -hmm. I, know, I know that the fears are so strong that mm -hmm. words often cannot help. I've experienced people or oh, I've witnessed people who are afraid to meditate because mm. their religion, and it's not only Christian, actually Muslim religion says the same. Yeah. Their religion mm -hmm. says that if you blank your mind, you will give space to the devil. And even if mm. you have escaped that environment, the fear of punishment mm -hmm. is very yeah. real. I've had conversations with my mom where she would refuse to question certain things because she, she feels that it might be punishable. So I think... Mm -hmm. you had been writing if you if you have really been i'm sorry mm -hmm. to use this word but brainwashed yeah you will need professional help you will need yes help. and just one mm -hmm. one suggestion might not help yeah um, like magic word that will set you free yes might i got not you exist. yeah Maybe if you've been in that environment for 10 years you might need yeah. half the time to heal yeah that doesn't mean that you will not start living a beautiful life uh, yeah. after the first 10 sessions or after the first three sessions with your yeah. psychotherapist but to heal completely you might need mm. 
a lot yeah. of time. Yes. So that 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 is like a disclaimer. But what I can say though is because I've been in personal growth and transformation for 20 years. Mm-hmm. There are no absolutes in our industry. And very That's often it. we feel mm-hmm. that there is, okay, religion didn't work for me. Maybe spirituality will work for me. Mm-hmm. Spirituality didn't work for me. Maybe following the, the contemporary paradigm of uh, hustling will work for me. There is no absolute in life. So for some people, the suggestion is slow down, sit down mm-hmm. and meditate. For other yeah. people, the suggestion might be get off that couch and go working. The the point is that there is no one universal truth, no one universal size that fits all. Of course, God might be the universal truth. I do not know. Or the absence of God for the, for the, (laughs) but that aside, especially in personal growth and transformation, your instruments, your teachers, Mm. your healing techniques, they will come to you when you're ready for them Mm. and they will be changing as you Mm. change. So yeah. what works for you today, and it might be a very simple, classical, not simple, but classical psychotherapy mm, yeah. might change. And maybe five mm-hmm. years from now, you will need something completely different. And maybe sometime in the future, you will discover yourself starting a new religion. I do not know. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, gosh. But the thing is that as you change, what you uh-huh. need changes. And that's why I wouldn't want to give one advice, go and do this. Yeah. Yes. What I can suggest is courage. Mm. To yourself. It's mm. oh, actually, I just quoted Cinderella's mother from 2005 movie. <laughs> Have courage and be kind, but I think it's a very good suggestion for anyone. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh my gosh, yes, I have greatly enjoyed this conversation, and it has been such an honor and such a pleasure to meet you and have you on the show you're just an incredible human being and you're doing so many things to help people but thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me oh of course you're so welcome and for everyone listening please go to the show notes and her book will be linked there and follow her on social media and go check thank you for everyone for listening and this was speaking up with andrew pledger